tell you first, I will tell you it will take 45 minutes, okay, said and done, in and out, and uh, we're going to do a lecture as much as I can, sharing you some information, and then and then uh, maybe short meditation, depends depends on how much, how much time. First, thank you for coming, I mean, this is very nice, we didn't do it for a long time, so, so hopefully we clap big hands so we can be together, but we also have to think uh, uh, about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, please. So I want you to keep your heart open when you tonight before you go to sleep. Maybe you can pray. We can say your prayer on that. We have a group of people who read Tilim together. I don't know if you're part of that. We're reading the book of Psalm, the book of King David. We read Tilim for, for everybody who needs help. If you know somebody who needs help, you know, just give us the name and we when we read Tilim for them, it's it's all over the world. So it's uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that uh, our group is doing all over. So it's a beautiful thing. Uh, what else I want to make sure I tell you? In the end, I think we have salad for I, you. I already told everybody. Oh, you told? Yeah. Oh, so why am I repeating myself? Okay, Debbie already gave you all the introduction, so I can jump into the to the parsha. So the parsha is Vayakel. The word Vayakel comes from the word Kaal. Kaal means gathering. Gathering. Not a coincidence that tonight, because it's Adar Aleph, it's the 21 of Adar. 21 of Adar is the, always remember that, it's a very important day, is the death anniversary of Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk. Who was Rabbi Elimelech of Lizhensk? Maybe you don't know who he was. It's a very important rabbi. Why? He has a special prayer. And within his prayer, it's written like that. He says, Master of the Word, I'm asking you for one thing. One thing. I'm not praying for money, I'm not praying for pride. I'm praying that you make my eyes see the good in my brother and sister. That, that's what I'm asking you, Hashem. That's it, I'm praying to you. Please help me to see the good in one, in another person. Why is it such an important thing? That's what he write. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't know how many times it happened to you, I know it happened to me. We, we, we get judgmental, it's a very normal behavior. We look at people, we think we know what's wrong with them. We decide what's wrong with them. We put it in a box. And after we put it in the box, you know, it's getting worse and worse because we get more judgmental and more judgmental. But the truth of the matter is we maybe don't know. <clears throat> maybe don't know. There is a story, it's a very good story, about a gentleman who walked to a synagogue. And he see that the person who pray, his voice is... Rusty. So he starts judging the place his first time. They say, ah, they only give the rich people to be chazan. They only give the people to, to, to take the Torah. And he judged the synagogue, he judged the rabbi, he's upset. And uh, uh, he come to kiss the Torah, you know, they're going with the Torah like this. And he's judging the, everything there. So he just kissed the Torah from, from far. And, uh, and he, after 20 minutes, he get angry. Talk to the person next to him. What's the story of this place? Only the rich people get uh, Torah? Only rich people? See, you don't know who this man is? So I'm sorry. I don't know why his voice is like that. I said, this guy's a very famous man. He's 82 years old right now. He's a Holocaust survivor. He was the Chazan. He was the, the, the cantor in the synagogue when they took them to Auschwitz, when they took him to the, to the Auschwitz, like a camp in... Uh, in in uh, in Auschwitz, and uh, because they torture him so bad, he lost the vocal cord. Mm -hmm. 
And, but when he came, they want to respect him to give him the Torah, to give him to be a chazan. Many times we think we see the old picture. We judge the wrong thing, but the truth we don't. So Rabbi Elimelech is asking us, begging us, to say, please, you want to grow spiritually? Start with one thing. When you look at people, find the good about them. Find the good about them, everything else will work out. That's the beginning. So let's jump into Vayakel. In the portion of the Vayakel, there is a section that basically what is Vayakel to God when it, when it happened. It happened right after the golden calf. They did the golden calf last week. So right away you have to, you have to do kapara. You have to do something instead. You cannot just do negative thing and just go home and eat steak. You can't do that. Why? Because very simple. It's like I cannot put my finger into the socket and ask for uh, somebody to bring me breakfast. You gotta get the finger out of the socket. First, disconnect yourself from what you're doing wrong. You cannot do wrong and do uh, be positive and smile. Hey, I'm working on my diet. Yeah, yeah I just killed a few people. Diet. I become vegan. No, no, it doesn't work like that. In spiritual journey, there is two forces. One force is remove yourself from the negativity. Second force, connect to the positivity. A lot of people enjoy the positive thing. Who doesn't? We all enjoy to pray, to dance, to Shabbat and everything like this. But there's also a negative thing we have to stop doing. Because you cannot truly enjoy something good until you clean the cup that holds it. Meaning if the cup itself is not clean and you keep pouring good things into it, the value of what you're pouring into it, it doesn't have a lot. If you love a person who does not respect you, for example, that love is beautiful, it's nice. I'm not saying love is bad. But the love will not be appreciated. And because of that, both of you will not enjoy. You're going to get angry if you give a gift. They will get angry if they don't get a gift. And you keep fighting. Why you keep fighting? Simply because the cup was not clean. The question about tonight that the Zohar asks, how do we clean the cup? What is that I need to do? And that's what I want you to live with. What is that I need to do? To clean something inside so I will start to enjoy what I have. Maybe there is love in my life. I don't even see it. Maybe there is a lot of money. I don't even recognize it. Maybe there is opportunity I don't want to see. Why? Because when you use your eyes for the wrong thing, you don't see. Use the ears for the wrong thing, you don't hear. Use your mouth for the wrong thing, talking about bad about people. Then when you try to convince people to do the right thing, nobody listens to you. So everything we use, the senses get confused. I'm sure it happened to you. I know it happened to me. Many times I promised myself not to eat a certain food, and I do eat it. I do. No more sugar. I start the, the, the new year. Eh, no more sugar. No more sugar lasts for about uh, 23 days. And after 23 days, sugar is not that bad. Not that bad. I come up with my own theory. Hey, who, who's talking? You know? It's okay. It's okay. Then you read about fat. It's good, bad for you. you know? A little bit fat, and then you have always that gentleman or lady next to you on the airplane, and I'm reading about that fat thing. So you hear that? I mean, fat is bad for you. And always you, the right people, I call them the right or the wrong, they're next to you and they tell you, well, fat is, is good sometimes. You, you need some fat. And you take it, you didn't even ask them what they mean. That's a message. That's a message from God. I'm starting sugar and fat. What is wrong with us? Why we fall? Why? Why we do that to ourselves? I mean, I'm sure it happened to you. Then you know it's wrong. God, it's like my friend. My friend likes to smoke. He's not my friend. It's my friend, one of my best friends, my cousin in Israel. He smoked. He smoked. He used to drink and smoke. Now we removed the drink. He's only smoking. But he smoked a lot. 
you know, one of those people, you know that move, you guys don't know that. Whoever smoke know what I'm talking about, you know, so on. one of another. So, and when he smoked, his name is Mordechai Moti, I pray for him every day, I pray for him, he's a good, great guy, really good guy. So, he spoke, and every time I'm with him, I said, Moti, Mordechai, you know, come on, I mean, take a little break. I say, Eliyahu, you don't understand. See the cigarette? That's spirituality. <laughs> if he will sit with you, he's so good. He's a salesman. He will convince you that that actually, from this point, you become spiritual as you smoke. And you will feel like, I think I need to smoke too. <laughs> this, this, is, this is how it works. So the Pasha of tonight, the Zohar specifically, is talking about to choose on your own, not to get influenced by forces. You cannot get influenced by forces. But the, the, the first thing that's been mentioned, and I'm going to talk about it in a second, is actually, it's written, do not burn fire, do not light a candle, do not put fire on Shabbat. Shabbat, you know, you cannot turn fire. So fire could be fire, regular fire, cars, whatever it is. You, It's all about the keeping of the Shabbat. That's how it starts. But what does that mean, keeping the Shabbat? Shabbat running away, we got to keep it from somebody not to steal it. What is that, keep Shabbat? What is it, Shabbat? Shabbat has two aspects to it. There is an aspect of what you shouldn't be doing and the thing you should be doing. The thing you should be doing, you should have a meal, you should be happy, you should sing, you should pray. What you shouldn't be doing, you should not connect to fire or cutting papers and stuff like that. Why? I mean, without going to the old details and the religiosity of that, very simple, because you want to connect to a different realm, to a different place. So when you arrive to a certain place, you behave different, you know? You're not going to a wedding. This is the day of your wedding, and you decide to go with short, T-shirt and short. Yeah, you said, yeah, I don't care what people think of me. Okay, don't, but it's still not cool. You know, it's not cool. I mean, the bride has to lose weight and she has to tight this thing. <laughs> I mean, I have three sisters. You don't know what it means. You don't want to be there. Nobody want to be there, actually. But as a brother, you have, you know, it's not good enough. And, it, and you get screaming. You know what I'm talking about. And then the group say, you know what? I'm coming with the bedding suit. And uh, not cool. You have to invest. You have to invest. So the Zohar says something very difficult to hear, but... For me, it's very difficult for you because maybe I, I'm working on that issue for many years. It's a don't burn the fire, meaning don't let the fire of anger on Shabbat. Don't let the fire of anger. I don't know how many of you ever get angry. I think, I think most people get angry. I mean, I can admit I do. And anger is, is, is an issue. Anger is an issue. Anger is an issue. Why is it an issue? It's one of the five things that exist within the ego. The ego has five categories by Rabbi Chaim Vital. Anger is the major one, one of the major ones. Like Rabbi Isaac Luria right, that if you work on your, only on your anger, only on not being angry, you're already curing your body, you're already curing your soul, you already elevate yourself. All what you gotta do is just, how can I stop getting angry? This is the one thing that you gotta do and you're already doing well. And I'm gonna read to you now a section that I'm not going to read the whole section because when I read it, I get depressed. I'm not going to depress you. You know, I will do the best I can to skip the part that it's not, not easy for uh, everybody to understand. Is everything okay there? Okay. Not a problem. Not a problem. All the soul, all the souls are desire to have money. Is I mean, 
We all have desire to have money, I think, right? It's a normal thing, say Likutei Moran, Rabbi Nachman and Breslev. Not only to money they want, and not only they love it, also they love the people with money. But what do you think about that comment? I mean, I didn't say it, I agree with it, but I want to make sure, because sometimes when, when you read this section, you say, ah, I'm spiritual, I'm above that. I don't like money, and I don't like people with money. Rabbi Nachman and Breslev say, we do. But we don't have to agree on that. You can, you can. I don't want you to feel like an, an authority talking to you, either me or either the book. I want you to feel it has happened to be a speaker, that's me tonight, a simple person. I don't want you to be in a code to please me. I want you to leave this room with something. It's about you. So if you disagree with that, we can talk about it. It's not the problem. I mean, I set up a lecture, but if the lecture goes in a certain direction, it's okay with me. So according to Rabbi Nachman and Breslev, we love money, and we love the people with money. And he continues, We see a person with money, somehow they around that person. You know, he sees a rich person walk in. Around, there is an entourage always around. Hey, 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 of course I know him for five years already. Well, <laughs> because he has money. We see it with our senses, with the, with the eyes. It's also written. It's written 3,000 years ago by King Solomon. King Solomon said, the one who loved the rich person are a lot. All of a sudden, now prove it to us. Why we love the rich man? Not because of his money, actually. Not because of his money. He said because his nefesh, his soul, come from Ben most elevated places. And for that reason, he has the money. So it's not that we think we love it because of the money, but we feel. We feel something we have no idea. It's not about the villa, the pool, the, 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 something. But we call it money. Or we call it how important, how famous. But it's no. It's no. It's the nefesh. It's the soul. They think where the money come from. Where the money come from? The money is actually coming from the most elevated place, from a holy place. So the money comes down. And then it's manifest to a person downstairs. So when you feel somebody with money, a rich person, you're not feeling them. You're feeling God going through them, the nourishment of God. So if you love a rich man, don't judge yourself. Don't hate yourself for loving them for the money or for being rich. You actually love their energy. I used to have a friend, actually. He's Iraqi. He's Iraqi, he's, he's American pilot, uh, he's, a, he's American pilot uh, airline, American airline pilot. So he, he have these things, very weird. When he meets successful people, he tell me, yeah, we gotta touch them. So what are you talking about, man? So we gotta touch, this is the, how the blessing pass. So I'm not touching them, I'm not touch So you gotta, you gotta come with me, I will teach you. This is how it works. I remember I was very young, it was weird for me. So I say, I'm not getting close. I say, just touch the elbow, and that's how you connect. You connect. I say, it's not a mezuzah. I say, I say, I say, you do that. He told me, you do that. And one time he went a little bit too far, and I didn't do it. And he, it was a very wealthy man. It's embarrassing if you tell the story. I don't know if we should add the story after cut it. So uh, he convinced me. He convinced me. <laughs> Maybe I should not tell him. Uh, he actually told me we have to be we have to be in the same bed. We have to be in the same bed 
with the rich man. <laughs> so it's not what you're thinking. I know. That's why I say it's going to come out wrong. It's going to come out wrong. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> it was like he believed that this is how the energy flow. He said when he go to sleep, through his dream, the nourishment come. And I didn't agree. They screamed at me. I said, what is wrong with you? You don't understand. This is how the blessing is going to come. So I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So you know what? You're losing. You're losing. And he went in and did it. Of course, the gentleman thought this was weird. And he's begging him. He said, I will do anything. I'll pay for the room. Whatever it take. I just want to be in the bed even 10 minutes. Go to bed. Of course, not kissing or hugging. I know where you're going with that. You guys went sexual. He went and he energetically. The truth, he become rich after that. I know it sounds weird to you. So don't go to bed with everybody. I'm just saying, <laughs> that's not the message. That's not the message. I know it sounds weird. And when I look, I said, it's not part of my lecture to share the story. And I'm trying to focus on my line. But think, just think, just out of the box. Why the person want money? Not just to be rich or to be safe. It's actually the money come from that place. And that's why the soul, our soul, want to connect to that area. That's the breast level. But he say there is also contradiction in the Talmud, in the Zohar. We say people who are, have lust for money, something wrong with them too. So he said, You're allowed to have ta'ava, you're allowed to have lust for where the money comes from. But you cannot have lust for the money itself because that's idol worshipping. But look, it's not the end. That's not the shocking thing because that's connected to our parsha. Veda, you need to know, said, Every person should have money. There is one thing that makes you lose all the money. You ready? And this is a, a wrong attribute, a wrong things we do, we all do. And make us lose all the money. It's a very difficult to be safe from that midah. Very difficult. When I read it, I said, wow. Even if a person tries to save himself from that, it's difficult. Even if you want the money, it's actually, you're stuck with that. And he say, what is it? When you are a kid already, it, that, that negative thing jump on you from, since you are a kid. Baby, all the time is chasing you. And you think it's all the last way for money, all the addiction way for physicality. No. Look what he writes. Amida ra'a a'i hu midata kaas. He said the whole problem is the anger. The anger blocks us from the, all the money we're supposed to have. The anger. It doesn't make sense. Shalye deze mafsidu ma'abeda mamona ra'ui lo. Every person came to this world to how much money is supposed to have or how much money she's supposed to have. And a person can actually lose for anger. I don't think it's right. What's the connection, right? You get angry, you get angry. And money is money. Like, can we not put it together? Lama, why? Wherever the money comes from, tell us a secret. And that was shocking for me today. The anger and the money come from the same pipe. So you choose. 
You get angry, money gone. It's just money. So but let's talk about anger then. Okay, we, we're going now next thing. Let's talk about anger. When do we get angry? What is anger? How, how anger look like? Justice. We were looking for justice. Uh, somebody was not behaving nice to people you love, or somebody is not respecting you enough. You know, you're waiting. You sit in the waiters. I remember one time uh, I, I, I went to a hotel and I said, listen, I will agree to stay on a hotel if you keep me uh, a Dover soul. You, you, you announced you have Dover soul and I eat kosher. Would you able to do it for, for me? I said, absolutely, sir. We have this Dover soul for you. I'm arriving, that date was my birthday, I'm very excited about the Dover soul, and I like it without nothing, just simple. Coming in, more excited. And I remember, and I see one Dover soul passing by, you know, to the other table, you know that feeling? <laughs> and I look at Debbie and I said, I got a bad feeling about that fish just passing by. I just got a bad feeling. So why are you so negative? So I'm just, just building up, something building up inside me. And, uh, and the waiters come, and I end up with the wrong waiters or the right waiters for good for my anger. I mean, wrong waiters for me, but good waiters for my spirituality. I said, uh, you know, I am, hey, you're the best of boy, don't worry. And there we go, and we were a group of people, like 20 of us, say, you know, this guy really came, we did the whole thing for the Dover soul. Say, sir, we just served the last one. <laughs> Not cool, not cool, just not cool. That's one story. Second story, I was in Florida. A gentleman by the age of 83 walked into my office. And I heard it all, you know, you know, those of you who know me from before, I heard thousands of stories in my life. You don't hear new thing, but sometimes you get new thing. This guy sit with me and said, I would like to open my heart to you. So of course, see, see, let's, let's talk, have tea, coffee. Said, I would like to share a story and tell me if I did everything okay. So please tell me. So me and my partner are partner for 35 years. They have, they have a business together for 35 years. He said, my partner has a son with the issue of addiction. He came to me after 30 years being partner. If it's okay to bring the son in to work with us. I said to him, I'd rather not because we have a successful business, very successful business. They were, they were selling meat uh, to all over the East Coast of United States. So it's, they make a lot of money. I said, we have work, we have that. This, if you need some help with money, let I said, no, no, I need to get him a feeling like he's working. So if you don't mind to bring to the factory, cut some meat, I said, I don't feel comfortable with that. So this is going on with two years negotiation. to be at the, the tax season it was. They were sitting together at night, very late at night. And the partner come with a big knife and he stabbed him. He stabbed him, he wanted to kill him, and he made it. He made it to the hospital, he made it the last second. One worker was there, he called the police. They arrested his partner. They're older, like the 75 at that time. Like, they, they're working just for the fun of it. And they were best friends, because they were partner, you know. But the person lost it, he was angry. So court coming, this and that, and uh, he was in the hospital for about six months until they fix everything. And he, he said, I have nothing against him. He said to the judge, I'm okay with him. I, I don't want to sue him. I don't want to do anything. He let him go. So he told me that story. The story continued. Five years later, that's the day he, he came to see me, the day after. 
the wife of his partner called and said to him, listen, I know you guys don't talk. I mean, thank you for doing it, but he's in a hospital. And we ask him, he's dying, he has cancer. We ask him, is there is one thing you want? So there is one thing, one thing I'm looking for. Can you bring my partner? I would like to apologize. I told this story a thousand times. Every time you get me emotional. It's, it's real, it's life. And uh, the gentleman said, of course, not even thinking about it. And he, he go to him and he holds his hand and they're both crying, they're both old people, they, they're shaking. So I'm sorry, so please stop. Totally forgiven, it happened. It's, it, Said so, no, but I, I tried to kill you. I can't believe you forgive me. How can you forgive me? He said, cannot be. And in the end, forgive him. The next day he died. So he came to my office. He said to me, he said to me, teacher, rabbi, I did a lot of few bad things in my life, but I don't feel I did enough. But is that things is mean a lot? He said, it's not been a lot. Consider yourself a tzaddik. Consider yourself righteous. To be able to forgive somebody who tried to kill you, now that's removal of anger. That person never need money, his children never need money, his grandchildren, his grand-grandchildren. He made money after he closed that factory. He said to me, money just come to me. So when I read that today, and I said, I'm gonna share it with you, it reminded me to share with you the concept of understanding how anger can damage our life, damage our life. But going back deeper into the anger, I would like to share with you that. Who is the anger? Sit, where is it exactly? And why is it so, so difficult to get rid of anger? It's, it's the worst addiction that you can have. It's the worst. It's, it's just, it just doesn't go away. And it's a, it's a like that. I want to read to you that section that uh, will help us to understand uh, more the concept of that anchor, just looking for the pasuk. It's pay bet, pay bet in the Zohar. If you're home and you want to see that, yeah. What exactly happened in the upper world? The upper world. Usually a person gets sick, he think he got a cold, he got a flu. No, no, said the Zohar. No, 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 no. The kevashen itfasa adam alidei sara u bebet cholio. Person who got sick, no, they come sick by mistake. God is still in charge of this universe. When a person gets sick, you think maybe I need more calcium, vitamin C, different thing. But the truth of the matter is, the soul has to look for a change, for repentance. The soul has to look for what is it that I need to change. And if the soul is not doing it, then even if the person gets healthier, he continues being sick spiritually, which means the person will continue being something wrong. Anger consider a disease. It's not considered something that you gotta work at that. You gotta work at that. So if there is somebody who suffers from anger that you know, or somebody if you suffer from anger and you know, take on yourself 30 days, 20 days, 40 days, no anger, no anger. But you gotta take it on yourself. You take it on yourself, it works. You just say, let me think about it, then tomorrow will be a, the same thing. It's not gonna be a different. You have to start. But you can't start too long from now. You gotta start, like you make a decision, that's it, I'm done. Then 
Anger is not my friend. Anger is my enemy. When you're angry, you feel you're right. And you feel everybody else is wrong. What do you do when, you, when you're angry? They're wrong and I'm right. And what do we do about it? Nothing. We just let this evil inclination that live within us, within us, is actually the one who makes us angry. And he compare it to the story of Yonah. I don't know if you remember the story of Yonah. The story of Yonah, Yonah is running away from a mission from God, and he hides in a little boat, a little ship, and he ran away from Jaffa into Tunisia. And he's running away. But in the middle, there is a storm, and the fish is eating him, and all this and that. They say, this whole story is about us. Miu Rava Chovel, who is the captain of that ship that Yonah used, the Yetzaratov is your good side. It's a good side. They lead everything. When the captain tells uh, Yonah, why are you falling asleep? Cry like Rokecha. Go call your God. That's not time to sleep. You are now being judged in heaven. It's time for change. What do we learn from this, this section? A lot of time we kind of blind over our wrongdoing. I don't want to know. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear about it. But it is my wrongdoing. It's, I'm not supposed to stop the wrongdoing for you. I'm supposed to stop the wrongdoing for me. I cannot elevate myself. Now, of course, I have to do it for society as well because that's love the neighbor as thyself. But anger is the beginning of all the spiritual journey. We all get angry. If there is person who thinks they don't get angry, they, they hide it or suppress. But the anger is there. Some people have rage, which is tied to shoes or, I don't know, picture or clock. Had enough of you. You ever see a, a couples get separated in the street? I did. It's scary. Very scary. Very scary. And I, the mistake I did was to make peace between them. Don't, don't do that. Don't let them come down, then talk. I did it one time. I did it because I, I didn't know who they are. It was a husband and wife. And the baby was in the stroller uh, in the sidewalk. And, and he was taking care of the car. She was, it's like in New York. So she was down there, like at the park. And, and the baby's there. So excuse me, guys. What about the baby? <laughs> what about the baby? They scream at me, both of them. Got, they got unity for that minute. <laughs> got unity. Like, leave us alone, kind of. It was cute. You know, two of them screamed together. Who's asking that? Okay, but I look at them, they're actually unified. They marry, actually. We become friends, I apologize. And they, they marry for 32 years now. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're married for 32 years. But the fight look like it's the end. Sometimes couples have that. They fight, like in half an hour, the divorce is, is happening. And then they remarry again. The next morning, it's a remarriage. The coffee looks better. Cappuccino has more foam and cinnamon. What happened? I have no idea. Magic. Magic happened. Magic happened. Now, is it right or wrong? I'm not here to guide you or teach you that or preach to you. But I'm just saying the anger can disturb your money, your health, your everything that you want to do. And it's a, when you go up, when you go up to heaven, they look into the paper, they look into his file to see what he's doing, you know? And you have three messengers in heaven while they're looking into the person while he's alive. Three messengers, okay? Echad, kotev kol One angel writing all the good things you did. And they are the good, the bad that you did. One angel writing the 
ימים. He writing how many days the person has. Okay? ואחד שהיה הולך עמו, שהיה במי עמו. And another angel is the angel that was with you from the time that you were fetus, before you were born. So those are the three angels. One, good and bad. One, checking the days. What did you do with the time that was given to you? You've been given time. What do you do with it? How did you invest it? You're busy judging everybody and get angry with everybody? Or you're busy actually looking for good and looking to do better and looking, you know, you've been judged for those days. In fact, those of you who know what the Talmud said, the Talmud said the first thing they ask you when you go to heaven is actually two questions. Did you study spirituality? And did you have been fair in business? You have to pass those two questions before even you relate to your case. Before even you show them, hey, listen, I, I did a lot of tzedakah. I gave some donation. I helped poor people. Nobody will listen to you. Two things. How did you do with your spirituality? Did you spend time with spirituality every day? Second question, let me check your file of business. Did you cheat? Did you steal? Did you take advantage of people? Those are the two things. After you pass the two, now let me hear about you. They don't even listen to you. Those are the first two questions. So you got to take your spirituality seriously and your business seriously. The reason you do business is not just for money. It's how you get along with people. And I'll share with you something happened in front of my son yesterday. I'm praying usually in a synagogue uh, at the evening. Pray. So I go and pray here. And... I'm there for two and a half months. I'm doing it. So I didn't know that I'm actually sitting in a seat that was bought by a gentleman. That gentleman never say a word to me. Behind me, there is a father and son, okay, that I guess judging me for two months and one day, okay? <laughs> and they had it with me already. And yesterday, never say hello to me. Never say hello to me. Like I said, no. So excuse me. Do you know that seat belonged to someone? So no, I didn't. So in the beginning, I was about to get angry. And I just said nicely. It was almost leading to anger. And I said, why didn't you tell me like a long time ago? Now I'm embarrassed for two months and a day. I look really bad. And then that gentleman walked in. I didn't know it was him. And he's standing there. So I said, okay, you have a chance to get angry with the whole situation or to go and apologize. Come on, Leo. That's, it. That's your moment now. So, and my son was next to me, so it's also an example for my son. It was a lot of things going on. So I went to the gentleman of the seat. I said, first, I would like to ask you forgiveness. I said, what forgiveness? I will never kick you out of my seat. You came to prayer. We'll never tell you a word. If it's up to me, I will not say a word to you. There's enough seat. I said, well, it's your place. So please tell me you forgive me. It's very important. I said, you don't need my forgiveness. So please, say I forgive you. Then I went to that gentleman behind me. I spoke nicely to him. I said, excuse me. I'm really sorry that I look, my face look a little bit angry with you, because maybe I was, but uh, I, I, I was really confused. But I want to say thank you to you, because without you, I would continue to do the wrong thing. So a lot of time, this, this time it worked. You know, it's not all the time working. <laughs> it worked. But sometimes it doesn't work. You know, you try to work with your car in perfect way, and then somebody come, one of those young genius, and park it like that. You figure out what's the degree to park the car. You know, young people have that move, shit, and the car is in the sidewalk perfectly, you know, not that I'm old, but you need a few time to get in, you know? You get in the camera and all this and that you, you want to make sure. So, anger, my friend, just please, if there is one message tonight that we need to live with, we're going to be more forgiving and money come in. We're going to look into the good side and money come in. We're going to look into, and it's not just for money. 
it's more for the idea of self-control. And if there is one thing that you can tell about a person, if they're spiritual or not, is the anger. There's actually three things. The Talmud writes that there is three things that you can tell about a person. Kiso, koso, kaso. Kiso means his pocket, the way he spend money, the way he invest money, the way he's cheap, tip, and all this and that. Koso, the way he get drunk. Kaso, the way he get angry. That's the only three way the Talmud can give you about people. They couldn't give something else. No, that's it. Kiso, koso, pekaso. Remember, I did one time a group of men only and then women only. They talk about dating. And they told me, what's the first thing? I said, kiso. Kiso. I mean, the pocket. How gentleman the, the, the gentleman is. How kind she is to the waiter. How nice he is to the, to the chef. You know, you look at those things, that's defined. Then generosity with the wallet. Then when you get drunk, you know, if you drink more than one glass of wine, uh, is, is he losing it? Well, there's there's something still there. Then the last thing, anger. Wait for the moment that nothing works. Nothing works. Everything is, is going wrong. Flat tire, second flat tire, the wrong uh, Dover soul, everything that can go wrong. That's the moment to see how far is the anger go. If it's losing it, that means that person really needs to control themselves a little bit better. Okay? Not chashuv. Very important. I'd like to share with you now something else. Again, we're staying in the same subject, guys. It's all about finding that the enemy is in. I tell you, the bad news, the enemy is inside. The good news, the enemy is inside. I tell you why it's a good news and bad news. The bad news, who are you going to blame? It's fun to blame people. It's fun. It's fun when you can point the figure and say, it's, it, the, 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 my life bad, my, my parents. My parents. It's like, like my mom. I just saw my mom. We were in Israel. Just my mom. And my mom has a way. She can be on a wheelchair, cannot move, but she can control the room with her left eyes here, right eyes <laughs> there. And everybody will move as the eyes are moving. You know, you're going to move. It doesn't matter. It's small. So, so I tried to tell a joke. And you don't tell a joke with my mom. She's the toughest thing you're ever going to meet. So I said, Mom, that's my son. I know, he's the youngest son, and I make a joke. I said, hey, he's okay. So she looked at me, and she speaks Arabic. She said to me, she told me in Arabic, he's way better than you. <laughs> but she did it in Arabic, so he doesn't understand it. You know, it, 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 it's way better. And it bothered me, actually. It bothered me. She's not very generous when we were young with compliment. And here come my son, and like that, get whatever he wants. Hey, we thirsty here. But again, so you say, the second subject is Shabbat. How is Shabbat connect to that removal of anger? So I'm reading from Zerah Kodesh, basically one of my favorite Kabbalists of all time. His name is Rabbi Naftali from Rothschitz. Very in Poland, recommend to everybody to go there. And it's say like that, what is Shabbat? And I will make it really short because I want to make sure I finish on time, a little fun of food. So it say, Ashisha yamim, shebechol yom echniz bahem ahara vekdusha ukulo kodesh. The six days before Shabbat is the preparation. If you want to enjoy Shabbat for real, the food of Shabbat, the energy, the pray, is what you do every day. Every day you have to do something that relates to your Shabbat. Every day. Every day. It doesn't matter what it is. Say, today, Monday. Tomorrow, Tuesday. Ah, we have three days left for Shabbat. Ah, I'm, I'm counting, I'm counting it. And then slowly, slowly, Shabbat starts serving you. Because Shabbat has two sides. Shabbat is the result of last week, and Shabbat is 
the seed for next week. Shabbat has two types of energy. It's like an apple. That's what we call it, Chakal Tapuchin Kadishim. It has two energy. Within the apple, you have the seed of next week, but the apple is the product of last week. You, when you enter the Shabbat, you know, usually you don't drink, you don't eat before Shabbat. is one of the most important things to do. It's always three hours at least before Shabbat, not drinking, no eating, nothing. Why? Because you have to prepare yourself. If you eat, then why are you coming to dinner? If you drink, then you're not thirsty. You have to come to Shabbat thirsty. You have to come to Shabbat hungry. So you can feel the physicality of Shabbat. Why physicality? Because within the physicality, there is spirituality. Within the physicality of Shabbat, the only day of the week that there is actually spirituality in the physicality is Shabbat. Now, who you with on Shabbat is also important. As we spoke about Rabbi Elimelech, who you with, who you surrounding yourself with Shabbat. You have to be careful. Let's say you're not into Shabbat. It's not your thing. You like to go sit down Monica Beach, you have a volleyball game. That's your thing, yeah, volleyball. Then who you are in the volleyball on the beach with, that will affect you all week. All week. All week. All week affected by Shabbat. Whatever you think. Now the beginning of Shabbat affects the beginning of the week. The middle of the Shabbat affecting the middle of the week. The end of the Shabbat affecting Thursday, Friday. So it's divided. Whatever you do on Shabbat, affecting the whole week. The whole week. Now, how can I be happy on Shabbat? Ah, you got to prepare the week before. So let's say we are now Monday night or Tuesday morning, whatever you want to call it. We are now planting the seed for when? For the Shabbat, for the Shabbat to come. Not for next week, for Shabbat. So the Shabbat now has within it the energy to give you enough light for the rest of the week. All your meetings. All your business meetings, all what you can dream about is within the Shabbat. And if you don't think like that, of course, during the week, you're going to get angry. Of course, during the week, you're going to get upset, but even more than usual. We got to be careful with that. It's not you do the Shabbat because you have to be more religious. No. Shabbat is a system that keeps us going. You do Shabbat right, we look right. And, and don't rush. There's no rush. Like many rabbis want people to keep Shabbat like tomorrow. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start. Yeah. Put the seed, grow a beer, yamaka, let's go. We get it going. Get going. You know? I don't believe in it. The reason I don't believe in it because Shabbat has love in it. Shabbat is the cure for anger, by the way. Why? Because the fire of Shabbat is stronger than the fire of hell, say the Zohar. Stronger than the fire of hell. And it's written definitely stronger the fire of anger. So if you get the excitement of Shabbat, that will burn your anger, will burn all type of other fire. So that's why when they tell you don't turn fire on Shabbat, to remind you, I'm here to remove the fire I have that I want to be right, that I want to get angry. And I would like to share with you a story. And the story is, I, I read it, great book, by the way, those of you who read it, exists in English. That's, the Hebrew is a copy for the English book. Uh, thousand story was told, but when it's told by the right person, it's good. It's good. And I met that right person. His name is Rabbi Karlibach. So you can you can buy it. Actually, it's in English. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of telling a story. Because it, I can tell you the story, but I can never tell it like Rabbi Karlibach. And those of you who are not in a mood to read the book, do what I did 20 years ago. You buy the disc, you put it in the car or buy the... What do you call it? Apple thing? What do you call it now? No more disc. Uh, something else. You, you, you. Apple. What do you? iTunes. iTunes, right? You can buy it. 
What, what is it? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you, you buy it and you, you listen to it and there is a beautiful story. Beautiful story. The story is about the teacher of Rabbi Elimelech of Lijansk. And I would like to share it with you. It's a very powerful story. And uh, I, I prepare not to cry, so I'm not going to cry here. So I, did, I did my work on that. I told the story to my family one after another, so I will not touch by that at all emotionally. So the story goes like this. That the teacher, the teacher of Rabbi Elimelech, was actually the student, the successor of the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov was the greatest of all time. His student was the Megid Bemezrich. His student was Rabbi Elimelech of Lijansk. You need to know the lineage. So Megid Bemezrich, because he was sick all his life, he could not go from place to place like the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov was more like Gemini. He was going everywhere all the time, next town, next town. And when he did something, he jumped, meaning he did teleport himself from one city to another. The Megid never went anywhere. People come to see him. He has the most amount of students, never wrote a book in his life about his Torah. All his students told his Torah to other people. Just to let you know how big he was. Just to let you know who we talked about. So when the Baal Shevto met him first, he knew he would be his successor. But he came to beat the Baal Shevto as a hater. He didn't like, he didn't like his style. He called him the Meshigina, meaning the crazy man. You're the crazy man. He said to him, but you, meant, you come to beat the crazy man? He said, yeah, my wife told me you could cure my disease. See, stay here. And he make fun of the Baal Shem Tov. He never believed until the Baal Shem Tov looked at him and he studied Kabbalah. So what is this book in your hand? He said to the Megid. He said, this book, that's not the story, by the way. That's a preparation for the story, the anti-pastor. So he said, that book is the book about angels and how God created the world. So what did you teach me? He said, I'm not sure you can understand it. You tell to the Baal Shem Tov, because he thought much, something is wrong. He said, why don't you try? So he started reading the book about this angel and that and the meditation. And he said, do you mind me reading? He said, sure. He thought this, the guy is totally nuts. So you read the book. And so much of the whole of the book, he started reading the same section. The angel started to appear down. They manifest himself. He said to him, there is two ways to study. You can study all your life, or you can study from here. I mean, study from here. At that moment, he said, please become my teacher. He begged him to become a teacher. That's how he became the student. But he was all his life against him. So the story is about him. One time he tell his all his students, his thousand of them, that the Megid finally wanted to travel to a town. He said, why? They say. He said, there is a burial of somebody very important. So is he a rabbi? He said, no, he's not a rabbi. Is he like a sage or somebody who teach? He said, no, he's not. So what is he? And I will tell you the, the name for it in Yiddish, what they call him, is, is a person, it's called Mikveh Idola, meaning he's, he's a guy in a Mikveh. You know, a Jewish Mikveh, women go to Mikveh, men go to Mikveh. He's a guy going to the Mikveh, and you know, he's taking care of the towels for you, he cleaned the, the floor, cleaned the toilet, and if, if you cannot scratch your back, you come and scratch your back, you know, a job, a job. And they look, they don't doubt their teacher, but you travel all the way and you tell us if we want to come, but you are the tzaddik. If you say that's the guy, that's the guy. So, so they ask him, is it allowed to ask you who he is and why you're going? He said, yes, if you ask, I will tell you. And then he started telling them as they're traveling. He said, well, the story starts like that. This man was actually a tailor. 
he didn't have any money. And he tried to work on his anger, not to get angry, not to get upset, just to be okay. One day it will be okay. His wife was the most lovely woman, support him in his journey. Even if they don't have money, okay. So he decided one day that as he make the clothes for people, he will tell jokes. Maybe the pieces will go better. And he's not telling jokes. And as he's telling jokes, people like him even more. Not people who like him. I mean, the wrong people start to like him. Like not just the spiritual people in his neighborhood. People have heard about him. The rich, wealthy, wealthy people came to buy from him clothes because of his joke. And they told him eventually, say, listen, we, we don't care about your share of the clothes. We have enough money, but we love your jokes. And say, thank you, thank you. And here's extra money. Then a week after, they came to him, the wealthy people, messenger, came and said, listen, we're having a party in our house. What if I would be able to pay you a certain amount of money and you will be a stand-up comedian? So with the yarmulke and that sits it and everything like this, and just hide a little bit everything. Everybody will forgive you. Don't worry. Just tell jokes. Okay. They're not into the Jewish culture or spirituality at all. They're just wealthy people. He arrived there. He tells the jokes, and people are laughing and stirring, it's good. And they start inviting him to another party, and they let him drink. And he already, the kosher is not the kosher, the wine is not the wine, champagne is not champagne. It's a mess. He's drunk. He's coming home drunk. His wife tells him, listen, uh, it's very nice to bring money, but I feel like, honey, I feel like I'm losing you. I'm, I'm actually, I mean, I know we need the money, but... So do you. So he starts to get angry. He starts to scream at them. Say, screaming. And every week he come back, the same thing, until one day he start fighting and they start slapping her, beating her. She had to run away to her father's house. And he basically didn't care. He go back to his show. The gentleman, the rich man, tell him, listen, uh, people don't like your joke anymore. You gotta do something. His wife there, his anger is here, he's drinking already, problem, what do we do? So he came up with an idea. His idea was to go to the Bar Shentov and look at him and copy him as a show. It will be a material for a show for him, and then he take that and present it for all the people who hate spirituality. Genius idea, right? Now he's going. His wife left him, everybody left him, he has money. Eh, but he want to win the show, he want to make sure that those negative people will like him. It happened a lot of time. You know, you fall into negativity, you no longer know right from wrong. So he go to the Baal Shentov. But not as a student. He goes to Baal Shem Tov because he want to find what material he can take and make fun of him later in front of the crowd. And he follow him. You see how we cut the bread. You see how we pray. You see every little, little details. He decided even to push himself and sit across from the Baal Shem Tov to see all the details. And we talk about the Barashans, we talk about like the Moses of our time. And he's taking note to himself what he needs to do. Everybody knows he's negative by that time. All the community know who this guy is, what he did to his wife. But he's just there to study for the Barashantov so he can make fun of him. At that moment, Barashantov raised his eyes, look at his eyes. And he gave him a section from, from the Parsha, from the Torah. And he say. You know, it's never too late to change if you want to change. Because in the end of the day, it's only up to you. It's not up to nobody else. That's what he say. And as much as this guy decided never to be spiritual again, those words went in. And they broke him. He said, what am I going to do? 
I don't want to be spiritual. I don't want to be spiritual. I'm getting rich. I'm getting good in comedy. I want to continue. Why would I be spiritual? Please, and start praying to God. Please don't let me be spiritual. Please, funny pray. But the words of the Baruch of the went in. I didn't know what to do. I said, oh my God, I have to change again. I said, I don't know what to do. Saturday night, they go to Baruch of the said, I have to talk to the Rebbe. He said, no, everybody push away. Come in. So I told him about the story. I said, I don't know what to do. I hate my wife. I did terrible thing. I ate everything that can be possible. You should not be eaten. I did it. Every drink, every drugs, everything. I don't think there is a way out. There is, there is a way, a chance for me to do better. So yes, you become the mikveh dude. You become the one when people want to scratch the back, you scratch the back. When they want towels, towels. When they need to clean the toilet, you clean the toilet. You humiliate yourself that low that you clean all your negativity. Are you ready to do it? Serebi, you touch my heart, I'm doing it now. So he, he sent him to a town and he become what they call the mikveid and he start becoming the, uh, taking care of things and make not be in charge, just taking care of things. That's how he make a living. Nobody knew about him at all. Like he was the guy. Elisha the prophet, I don't know if you understand, Elisha the prophet start to reveal himself to him and start teaching him Torah. It happened to few people maybe one person in every generation. So the rabbi of that town was a Kabbalist walking by. This rabbi's dream is to, to meet somebody like Eliyahu Navi. And he walked by the house of the, the, the poorest out in his neighborhood and he see the light shining like that light. So much light. And he said, it's got to be an angel inside. So he keep bothering that. Every day, he start going to, the rabbi starts going to make every day now and bother that eat. So I mean, do, you, do you see do you see Eliyahu Navi? He said, no, no, no. Say, do you see him? Say, yes, I do. He said, can you ask him if I can join you in the study? He go to Eliyahu Navi, went to Elisha Prophet. Elisha Prophet said, no, the rabbi cannot join us. Only you and me. So the rabbi started crying. He said, tell him, what can I do? Can I, can I also work in the mikveh? Maybe he said, no, it's not your tikkun. It's not your journey. He said, tell him, can you share with me what you study? He said, yes. And the, the guy who cleaned all the mikveh is now sharing with the rabbi all the secret of Torah for Meliyahu Navi. And then he died. And the day that he died, the reason the Megid knew that he's the one who died without even, because he heard that in that town, somebody died. That town didn't have nobody who died since he came to that town. So he said, if somebody died in that town after my master, Bless him, it's gonna be him. It cannot be somebody else. And for that, I have to go. So I'm leaving you with this story because I think we gotta be more forgiving. We gotta be more accepting, but not because we're nice. Because it's the only way. It's not because we're better, because it's the way to live life. It's the way we're gonna win the enemy from within. So I would like you, I would not take too much time because it's already late. Just one minute, maybe. If you can think about someone in your life that bothers you. Somebody who would get on your nerves. Somebody who would make you angry. And I'm not asking you to call him or text him. You don't have to do a lot of that. But just if you will be kind enough, please, to send them some blessing, to send them some love. I'm not asking you again to connect to them or again or some, maybe they bother you. But just give them love. Because when you give them love and you give them forgiveness, you set, send them free, and you are free. You all get, you have freedom from, from one another, and you give them a chance to make it. And you give yourself 
a chance to make it because Vayakel is all about Ka'al, Ka'al means gathering. So please, we'll take one minute to send energy to all the people who make us angry, that they will find the path of the light of the Creator, light of God, they will find the path of spirituality in their life. And through that, they will be able to elevate to places that they need to go. And those of you who want to take on yourself that tomorrow will be a day that you're going to be dedicating not to get angry. Even if you have a good reason to get angry, tomorrow is not going to be the day that I'm going to get angry. Let me just summarize what we did tonight. So we start the lecture by explaining for Rabbi Nachman Breslev, you know, the money can be blocked by anger. Then we went to the Zohar to understand the enemy is from within. I shared with you a few stories about forgiving, especially the one with the knife, and now the one here, how do you work on it? I also share with you that if you want to have fulfillment in your life, you gotta clean the vessel. You gotta clean the cup, otherwise fulfillment keep coming and you cannot enjoy it. And I also share with you the importance of the Shabbat. The Shabbat actually burning that desire to get angry. It's burning that desire to do the wrong thing. And hopefully with those few points that I share with you, hopefully it will take you to a better tomorrow because that's the purpose. The purpose is not me giving you a lecture and teaching or preaching or sharing. It's about more you have a better life. So I hope that each and every one of you you know, this week will be a beautiful week. And at the same time, if you have time after midnight or those of you who want to join us in the circle of Tilim, meaning we're reading the book of Psalm every day, uh, hundreds of people are reading it together, thank God. If you want to join that circle, this time we're going to focus on Ukraine and Russia. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm not into who's right, who's wrong. Because at the end of the day, as my mom said, you know, we live in a country of a war. I'm from Israel. In the end of the day, somebody die on each side, you understand? And if somebody die on each side, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. I'm not going to go to a political opinion. It's more understanding that we don't want death. We just don't want family to lose someone because it, it doesn't bring good things. So when you have a chance tonight, tomorrow, you know, just please pray for that. Because I say in the astrology forecast, I say, please, let's pray that war will not happen. Those of you are in my astrological forecast. And uh, I hope we pray enough for preventing it, okay? So thank you for, for coming. Thank you.